Welcome to the What We Talked About in Class podcast, brought to you from the campus of Wayne Community College in Goldsboro, North Carolina, sponsored by the Foundation of Wayne Community College. Um, I got an offer from Verizon. It was, you get, it was basically a fifty dollar restaurants.com gift card. And I don't know if they sent it to me because it's, it was my anniversary, I guess, with Verizon. And I've been on Verizon, it's got to be eight to 10 years now. I mean, at least, you know. And so I've never used a restaurant.com gift card. Has anybody else tried this? Hadn't either. But basically what you do, you go up there and you use, I, you use the gift card they gave me to buy gift cards for actual restaurants. And so... I looked at my area, and there's only a handful that participates, a couple handfuls, maybe 10 or 12, that participate within my area that I live. And one of them was Ribeyes. Anybody ever been to Ribeyes? No? It's really good. It's a little on the pricey side, but it's really good. Um, and anyway, I got two $25 gift cards to Ribeyes for the 50 bucks. But here's the catch. You have to spend 50 to use the 25 So basically, you know, you're spending 50 bucks, but you get half off, so... But then, since I was a new restaurant.com customer, they sent me an email like an hour or two later saying, uh, you know, basically, you're a new customer, welcome. We're going to give you 40% off any other coupons or, or gift cards you want. So I went back and got two more $25 Rubies gift cards for 12 bucks. So basically, I got $100 worth of coupons for $12. So I'm like, okay, I'll take that. But you can't, there's a couple catches. You can't use more than one a month. You can't combine them. And you have to spend 50 to get the half off, so... But hey, long story short, I'm eating steak tonight, so <laughs> that's what I'm planning to do for the birthday, so. All right, so we started talking about human resource management uh, on Tuesday, and I got pretty deep into this uh, chapter discussion. I'm just going to kind of go build off of what we did then and keep going. So when I say human resources, what does that mean to you guys? What's that? okay um i hope you out basically human resources a lot of people when they think about it they think about job applications or they may think about it from um, if you get in trouble you have to go to human resources or something like that so there's a lot of different aspects but human resources if you take those two words they're there to manage the human resources and there's so many different facets that go into managing the human resources at a company or organization. You think about it. I'm just going to name some of them to come off the top of my head. Um, like submitting or uh, seeking out talent. So you're looking for people to apply. So you're doing like, not necessarily headhunting, but you're out there uh, trying to advertise to get people to, to apply to your company. So you're doing job, um, job like sifting through different resumes and things like that. You're actually doing selection when you pull people in to do interviews. Um, you're going through hiring process, orientation, um, training. You know, when you get hired somewhere, depending on where it's at, there's usually a lot of training involved in it, you know, that you have to go through a learning curve. So you've got that going on. Then you've got evaluation process where they have to fill out these different evaluations to keep up with what you've done. Um, if you have any issues, 
There's disciplinary aspects of human resources. There's also benefits, um, things that the HRs keep up with. Just keeping up with health insurance alone, just that one benefit is such a huge undertaking uh, for any size HR department. But outside of that, you've got many benefits. I mean, these different uh, forms of insurances and uh, things that human resources are responsible for or keeping up with. And so HR has so many different uh, fashions to it and we're gonna go, or facets to it, we're gonna go through and talk about some of those. And so what do all businesses have in common regardless of product or service? They have employees. Human resource management is the process of hiring, developing, motivating, and evaluating employees to achieve organizational goals. HR decision support systems intend to make employees a key element for gaining a competitive advantage. So when somebody hires you and pays you $15 an hour, that money just doesn't come out of thin air, right? They're looking for you to provide 10, 20, 30 times the value that they're getting to pay you that 15 an hour. You know, who knows who um, Kylie Jenner is? Anybody know who that is? Who's Kylie Jenner? Kylie Jenner Cosmetics, right? She's a billionaire. Did you know Kylie Jenner gets between one and $500,000 to post a single ad on her, on her Instagram feed? So, what's that? Between one and $500,000. Yeah, there's really, let's say 100 and no limit. That's really the, the correct, because it could be anything. So, but, but here's the thing. Kylie Jenner has 100 million followers, right? And so posting one ad on her line that she's endorsing, let's say that just in a really, really good case scenario, they sell 1% of the, of the base, the user base that's on Kylie Jenner's feed. 1% of 100 million is a million people, right, that are buying that product. What if it's a tenth of 1%? That's 100,000 you know, sales they got off that one ad from that person. What if it's a tenth of a tenth of 1%, right? 10,000 people buying that product because they saw that ad on Kylie Jenner's page. And so the way marketing and advertising works is, it's really about saturation. How many touches a person gets to see something before they actually you know, move forward to purchase whatever that is. Um, it's all about commerce. That's what the internet is about. Same thing from HR perspective. Um, like how much training, how much development do I have to put into an individual to get that individual to be productive? You know, I used to work in recruiting when I worked at University of Mount Olive. You know, they said, okay, we're going to pay you this salary per year. So I get the salary, I get a check every, every month. And when I got that check, the, the relationship is this, it's, it's such that for every time they give me a check, I need to give them 10 to 20x in value for my recruitment effort, right? And so if you're, if you're a salesperson, you know, if you, whatever company you work for, uh, they want you to sell 10, 20, 30 times what they're paying you. And so it's really a good deal for the company if you're, if you're being able to provide that kind of value. And so the better you do at whatever it is that you do, the more value you provide, the more likely they want to keep you, right? Because if you're performing well, they're able to extract an enormous amount of value from that individual. You ever look at some of these people that get paid just exorbitant amount of money? Pro football players, right? Professional athletes. So, like, what's an example of an athlete contract that happened recently or something? I mean, there's all, I hear about them every year, but what's something that's just like, seems like I heard an athlete getting paid $100 million. Do you know about this? Uh, I 
Right. Yeah. Ten years for three hundred million dollars. So think about that for a second. Three hundred million dollars for one person for ten years. Uh but you have to look at it from the the other end of the business. This is a business. They are expecting to get tremendous value off that individual for that kind of money, right? And you better believe they're taking care of this investment, this person. They're they're doing the best doctors the best nutrition, the best training, everything. They want to protect that investment. Uh, and they probably control certain aspects of his personal life. Like you can't engage in any type of dangerous activity. You know, uh, there, there's probably restrictions on what this individual can do over that course of that 10 years. Uh, and so, yeah, $300 million. But they're probably expecting to get 5, 10, 20x on that return. You know, because of if they're an all-star and they win like a championship for them, what does that do for sales of merchandise? What does that do for brand exposure? Does a lot, you know. And so, yeah, I mean, like, I don't know. Is anybody tracking follow professional football this year so far? How's it going? I forgot about Mahomes. Got that big. Uh, you know, I'm not Patrick Mahomes. Uh huh. Yeah, he's got that. He got like 500 million. I think. Wow. Crazy. Um, how are the Patriots doing this year? I know Tom Brady left. Put doing decent without him. Yeah. Oh man. Well, it shows you if the Patriots are doing well without Tom Brady, it's not just about one player, right? You know, it's a team effort. But uh, I mean, Tom Brady, extremely high-paid athlete, and they got a tremendous amount of value out of the guy. You know, what I mean, like he led the team to win five or six Super Bowls, right? I mean, all-time record. And so for the Patriots, I mean, that's. Like, when you say Patriots, people know what that team is and who's on it and kind of what it represents. But if you say, like, the worst team in the NFL or the worst couple teams, they can't tell you anything about it, you know, because nobody talks about them. They're talking about the winners, you know. And same thing's true in any sport, any company uh, that's, that's doing things that are putting out uh, wins. That's what you want. And so HR planning, there's, let me back up here. There's these five facets right here. It talks about planning, recruitment, development, evaluation, and compensation. So planning... Determining employee needs of the firm uh, and the jobs to be filled, having the right people, training, and jobs. So they're going through looking at job analysis, description, specification, demand forecasting, internal supply forecasts, and succession planning, uh, who's, who's going to take over if something that happens. So jobs do change over time. You know, like if you rewind the clock and look at what somebody in my position would have done 20 or 30 years ago, it would be incredibly different than what somebody in my position does now. We do a lot of administrative stuff that I've, I've talked to colleagues that have been around for 25, 30 years, and they say, yeah, things used to be very different as far as the process, and that's because jobs evolve over time. They have to adapt to the needs of the current market, and so HR has to have its pulse on that, or finger on the pulse of that, uh, very closely. Training and development. Has anybody ever been to an orientation? Did you have one at Domino's? Kind of? Did that make you watch any videos or anything? No? Wow. It's just like, okay, come on in. This is what you do. Go. You know. Okay. That surprises me with a company as big as Domino's because they're the number one pizza guys, you know. So. Okay. Still surprises me they don't have some type of training protocol that I would, you know, you would think like 
they would have at least like a one-day training program where you come in, you, you learn for four to six hours, you, you, you hang out with somebody else for another few hours, and that's your training day, you know, at least one day. How do they train you on like safety and food prep and things like and like uh, like cleanliness standards and stuff like that? Is it just you learn from talking to others? Right. Is there a, is there a training checklist they have to go through for you or anything like that? No. Right. That surprises me. It really does. Like that there's not a a more structured training process in place, you know. Okay. Oh, yeah, it does cost money to train, so. So what you were just talking about is on the job training and you were talking about job rotation too, where you will spend a couple weeks on the phone, then spend a couple weeks doing pizza prep, a couple weeks doing something else. So um, a couple ways that could happen is through apprenticeships and mentoring. Off-the-job training are programmed instructions and, and uh, simulation, things that you can study and learn off the job. Um, so compensation, this is one of everybody's favorite topics, right? What are you going to pay me? How much am I going to make? And so many people think about the job in terms of the monetary exchange. You know, I trade time and talent, you give me dollars. It's not all about the money, though. Um, there's other things that come into play, like quality of the work. That's something that people don't really think about. Like, if I said, okay, I'm going to pay you $120,000 a year, everybody's eyes light up, so okay, $120,000. They, they don't even think about what the work is. They just hear the 120 and so, yeah, but now, you know, it's actually working on sewer pipes. You have to go into the sewers and work on all that. Anything, uh, eight hours a day underground in sewer pipes, that doesn't sound fun, you know. So, yeah, right. So, like, you have to think about the quality of work. And would it be, well, I mean, like some people say, heck, yeah, give me the 120, I'll jump in. But uh, other people were like, well, that's not cool. That's fine for me. Maybe I'd be better suited earning Thirty, forty, fifty thousand doing this other job, you know. So quality of the work is big, and I know people that are looking for the top dollar, the most they can make, the maximum you know they can make. But there's a cost to that. I mean, I know people that work six days a week and they do very well, but you're working sixty hours a week, you know, like just doing that year after year after year really just it's really destructive to your your mind and body uh, to me it, at least it affects me i've worked that kind of those types of jobs and it's just ugh. um what do you guys think though i mean like do you think it's worth it to make a high salary if you're doing grueling or work that you really don't like or would you rather have a lesser salary but have a, a better quality of life and be able to enjoy your life more so what do you, what do you guys think good balance what do you think sir Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, money's money. You know, you, money comes, money goes. Um, your life is what we're living right now. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not something you get to tomorrow after you've made all this money. It's, it's, right, it's happening right now. And if you can't enjoy your life right now, what's the point? You know, I mean, you got to be able to have a good balance, I think. You have an opinion? What do you think? What's that? I can't hear you. I'm sorry. Okay. Um, as far as other types of compensation, 
you've got the pay, which is what most people think about, but you've also got benefits. And every once in a while, I'll log in to look at my benefit summary. And it's not just the check that you get paid, it's how much they're paying for your health insurance, um, the life insurance you're able to get, the uh, dental, the vision, the retirement, all these different considerations, the, the, the sick time, all these different things that add up to compensation. And so pay and benefits tie closely to performance appraisals, factors affecting employees' pay, the pay structure and internal influences such as wages, salaries, benefits based on skill, experience, and job level. Pay level and external influence firms must be concerned with salaries paid by competitors. Yeah, if you don't concern yourself with what competitors are doing, uh, people will leave you over very small different differentials, meaning that if I'm paying my employees ten seventy five an hour and the guy across the street is paying eleven twenty five, they'll leave over that fifty cent. You know, they'll they'll say, Well, I can make more over there. And fifty cent an hour doesn't sound like much, you know, but over a, a week and multiple weeks it adds up, you know, to being some extra income. And so compensation type, direct wage or salary received, indirect, which is various employee benefit services, and then incentive things are like pay commissions and bonuses. Yeah, those are nice. I, yeah, I don't get, I haven't had much experience in getting bonuses. Tell you what seems to be a good industry though for that is the cell phone industry. Has anybody worked in cell phones or know somebody that does? A good friend of mine worked for U.S. Cellular for a while and he got a good salary, but on top of that, he made killer bonuses. I mean, at one point, I don't want to misquote, but he was making something like 60K a year and getting somewhere between 10 and 25,000 in bonuses on top of that. But he works six days a week, right? So he's doing uh, all day Monday through Friday and all day Saturday. And so being inside a box like this all day, six days a week, even though you're making great money, but you're working 60 hours, after a few years doing that, you go a little nuts, right? I mean, just living your life inside a box like that, it's just, oh man, you know? I just don't think, I think it suits some people better than others, but I feel like, you know, I mean, if you, if you guys use Verizon, what do you guys use? You ever go to the Verizon store in front of Lowe's? You walk in there? It's nice, but I wouldn't want to be in there 60 hours a week, week after week after week after week, right? I mean, yeah, I mean, even if the money's great, you got to think, man, you're only living your life from like 7 to 11 every day, you know, that's it. I mean, come on. So, um, some, some looking at the different ways we recruit employees, internal labor, um, these are people that are already in your company, and it's good to promote with, from within if you can, if you've got the talent to do that, because it shows the other employees that if I work hard, that if I put my mind towards this outcome, then it'll happen. So they look at things like previous work experience, skills, education, certifications, jobs and career preferences, performance and attendance. Um, external is when we post jobs to external sites. What, what type of websites do we use to look for jobs? Do we, do we use any or what do you use? LinkedIn? How about Monster? Anybody use that? Or talent.com or indeed.com? Uh, indeed, yeah. What was this? I forget the one. Um, it might be Indeed. My wife applied for a couple jobs through that site. Um, so yeah, I mean, that's, that's really how a lot of places uh, recruit now. Some of them use social media, like they'll post a job on Facebook or something to see if they'll get some takers on that. 
it mentions monster indeed start wire glass door um yeah i mean just depending on what the industry is and the talent pool as to determines how big of a radius they look uh or you know area they look for and then employee selection basically these organizations get in a lot of resumes i mean it doesn't surprise uh, just as an example i used to work for university of mount olive we would open up a entry-level administrator position uh, and we would probably get over 100 resumes for an entry-level administrator and there would be people with doctoral degrees applying to those positions trying to get in the door because once you get in the door then you can kind of move around you know getting that getting that first job is the hardest part you know once you get hired then you can you've got a job it's easier to find another job once you're already hired it gives you a base to work off of when you don't have a job and you have no income, that puts you in a bad spot. You know, you're kind of on life support at that point. You're in an existential crisis mode. So it's important to get a job, get some income flowing, and then figure out what your next step is. But in order to process through to get to a hiring decision, they have an initial screening. Does this person meet the minimums? The employment test, some organizations do this. Um, we had one at Walmart when I was there, and they asked you, uh, ethical questions like would you do this it's such a basically uh, ethical dilemmas would you do this what would you do in this situation uh, selection interviews background reference checks physical exams and then a decision to hire and so these are just some of the ways that we screen through employees yeah because you have to get all the way through that hundred applications down to uh, one person that's going to be the hire so labor relations what do you guys know about unions Anything? It's okay if you don't. I didn't know much. Uh, in fact, I didn't know much about unions until I, I, was, I was 25. I was assistant manager at Walmart. They sent me to a union, like, it was basically a union professional development workshop. Shop, and Walmart is very anti-union. They, they do not want even to say the word union in the store. Uh, because if there's any whiff of a legitimate union threat, they will shut down a store to prevent that from happening. Because if, or if organized labor or unions got into Walmart, which is the largest private employer in the United States, it will put a lot of financial pressure on Walmart because unions exist to uh, seek out benefits and pay compensation for employees and they seek to protect employee rights. Um, so I have mixed reviews on it. You know, like I'm not anti-union, but I understand that unions create financial challenges for organizations because what unions do is they say if you don't pay us what we want to get paid if you don't look out out for us then we're going to go on strike and you it's going to you lose all this revenue you know so it, it is effective but for i mean if you've got a manufacturing company and that's your one thing that you use for revenue the manufacturing company very very much they got your feet to the fire right but if you're walmart walmart doesn't care <laughs> It'll close 50 stores, right? And it's just like, they're just going to keep on going, right? And so I don't see Walmart ever becoming union. But this is how serious they are about union busting or not having a union. If a manager or member of the management team legitimately believes there's a union threat in the store, they have to report it to the home office. And within 24 hours, the home office will send a union team to assess if that's a legitimate threat. And if it is, they will take immediate actions to crush it, whatever that may be. 
So there is something to unions if a company is willing to be that anti-union, you know. I get it. I see both sides, you know. It is a way that you can um, protect employee rights and get hopefully more pay. There are some downsides. Unions do charge a fee to exist. They have to pay for uh, the service they provide. But I don't know. Well, you got, well, any opinions you might have on this? No opinions? Okay. Well, something to think about. I mean, unions used to be a lot bigger when we had manufacturing. Um, they deal with uh, organizing contracts and grievances. So organizing is getting people together. It requires 30% of employees to ask the, the National Labor Relations Board to get a certified election and so they can unionize whatever they're trying to unionize. Uh, they have an election. They conduct the secret ballots. Uh, supervisors of management do not vote. The results in certification of union or rejection of a union. If certified, collective bargaining begins. That term collective bargaining is synonymous with unions. It means that as a group, we have more power. There actually do exist teachers unions today where teachers say, you know, you're going to give me this, this, and this, and if you don't, you know, we're going to go on strike. You've seen teachers go on strike, have you not? Yeah, in the news, they, they talk about teacher strikes because they feel like they're being uh, mistreated or not paid uh, correctly. I am biased uh, because I am a teacher, but I will say that for the amount of education and ex expectations of teachers, K-12 specifically, um, they're woefully compensated for that. I mean, these people have, at minimum, a bachelor's degree, and they have to provide a variety of services for which I just don't think they're fairly compensated for. But once again, I am biased. Uh, but I'm also a parent, you know, and I realize my kids' teachers are undercompensated for what they provide, in my opinion. So, All right. The, once they, if the union is voted in, they go through the process of negotiating a union contract. Um, it goes through an approval process where they um, basically go back and forth to determine what each side wants and wants, uh, wants to walk away with. The company is looking to pay the least, you know, the least amount it can. The union's trying to get the most it can, and they try to find a consensus in the middle. Their main things they're, they're trying to uh, work on are um, security, management rights, uh, wages and benefits, and job security. Yeah, if, you work, if you're in a union company or organization, it's a lot harder to get terminated because the union protects you. And so um, grievances and conflicts, the main method of policing the contract is grievance procedure. A grievance is a formal complaint by employee or union that management has violated some part of the contract. Um, and so when you have a union representative, they're the go-between between you and management. Management really is kind of handcuffed because uh, they have to go through a union rep in order to, to do things. And so uh, procedure is employee with a grievance. They have an oral presentations, presentation. They put a grievance in writing. Um, that goes to a higher, the higher level of grievance, uh, arbitration to work it out. They do strike if an agreement is not reached. All right, and so the last part of this is um, employee legislation. What happens when businesses make decisions that violate laws and regulations uh, designed to protect working Americans? Federal laws ensure that job applicants and employees are treated fairly and not discriminated against. Hiring, training, promotion, compensation must be unbiased and based on performance. And so, a couple of these to talk about. 
anti-discrimination legislation. Today, the regulatory authority of the EEOC, which is Equal Opportunity, uh, basically Employment Act, or uh, equal, basically Equal Opportunity Commission, includes uh, enforcing a range of federal statutes prohibiting employees' discrimination or employment discrimination, including the following. The Equal Pay Act, the Civil Rights Act, Age Discrimination Act, the ADA or the American with Disabilities Act, Vietnam Veteran Readjustment Act, and then the Pregnancy Discrimination Act. There is a lot of um, protections in place, and there's a lot of ways that organizations can wander into this anti-discrimination legislation um, haphazardly. And this is another function of HR. They have to keep up with this, this legislative uh, anti-discrimination laws because let's say that we have a hiring committee and there's four people on the committee and they come in and they start interviewing candidates and one of the committee members start asking questions that violates one of these discrimination. Give you an example, like you can't ask an applicant how old they are. You know, even if like, I mean, like if, they, if they look a certain way, you can't assume age, you can't ask age. And so like, if I, if I see somebody come in and, they, and I think, well this person looks awfully young to be applying for this senior leadership position or management position, I can't say, how, how old are you? And I mean, what if they say, oh, well, I'm 22 or I'm 24, and they don't get the job, well, they can feel like, well, this, they asked me about my age in there, and they, I didn't get the job, so I associate that with being because of my age, and so they discriminated against me, and there have been lawsuits brought for that, so those types of things. On the opposite side of the coin, let's say somebody comes in, I think, well, this person looks kind of older to be applying for this position, uh, maybe maybe entry level position, and then somebody says, well, well, how old are you? They say, well, you know, I'm I'm 63, and then you know you might say, well, you know, because of your age, we feel like you might not be able to do this job as well as we'd want. So you might not say these things, but it could be perceived that you could be thinking those things. And so if the person doesn't get hired, they could say, well, they discriminated against me because of my age. They asked me my age, and I felt like I was discriminated against. You have to remember that uh, it's not, even if you're not intentionally trying to discriminate, as long as the person perceives discrimination, there is a actionable cause in the eyes of the law, and the court will have to sort it out, or an arbiter or some type of mediator will have to sort out whether there was actual discrimination. And if there was discrimination, it could be punitive in the, in the form of fines or penalties to the organization. So a lot of our cases like that get settled out of court. But who wants to say that somebody perceived discrimination, instead of going to court, we're just going to pay them, you know, one, two, three hundred thousand dollars in order to avoid going to court. I mean, that's a sweet, like, <laughs> jackpot for whoever's getting that money, you know. So I don't know. Uh, there's, but generally speaking, organizations want to not discriminate um, for a couple reasons. Number one, it's ethical to not discriminate, but number two, they want to avoid legal ramifications for discrimination uh, lawsuits. Yes, sir. So the Equal Pay Act doesn't deal with the minimum wage, but uh, it is by law that you are supposed to receive a minimum wage. You know what that is stated, seven twenty-five, correct? Um, there are some exceptions to that. If you work in food service uh, as a um, server, waiter, delivery driver, things like that, it changes that rate. I'm not sure what it was, but when I was in food service, 
something like 213 an hour, really low. Um, and yeah, 550 an hour, yeah. So the reason why is because there's an expectation that tips will compensate for the difference in pay, right? So, huh? It's an expectation, yeah. So, um, yeah. So if you if you're paying five fifty an hour, and if they're making two or three deliveries an hour, the expectation is that they would get, you know, one to five dollars a stop, something like that, as a delivery person. And, you know, I mean, on the low end, if they got one per stop, that would put them at eight fifty an hour. On the high end, you know, closer to twenty dollars an hour, depending. On, and, you know, I, I waited tables for a while, and it's ebb and flow. You know, some nights. You do really well, other nights you don't. So, yeah, I get that, but, uh, you know. Uh, but the Equal Pay Act more specifically speaks to every individual, regardless of age, gender, any other legally protected status, should receive equal pay to any other person for similar work, right? So if I go into a job, they're gonna, they're gonna pay $30,000 salary, somebody else comes right behind me and they may be a different gender, different race, whatever it may be. They should also, if, if the credentials are the same, we have the same amount of experience, they should also get the same pay. So that's what equal pay is about. A lot of organizations that are especially larger ones have gone to standardized pay, meaning that when you come in the door, there's a, there's a, a formula page that they fill out on you. They determine what type of experience you have that they can give you points for, what type of credentials you have they can give you points for, and those points add up, in addition to your base pay, how much they can pay you. And that's what they go with, you know. It's that way in the past three organizations I've worked for that it's a standardized pay. This is what you're getting, you know. And it's good and bad. It's good in that it's fair, you know. This is the standardized. This human resources is covering themselves because they don't want to be deemed as, hey, my buddy got a job here and I gave them the max, right, which, ha which happens in the past. It still happens today. So these standardized forms allow for a more consistent and fair pay structure. So um, it does, man, I don't think there's a few things that burn people up to, than when you find out that, hey, you know, we both started at the same time, we had the same experience, but they make five or $10,000 more a year than I do. Yeah, that's a real contentious thing, and, it, and it's a real thing that happens very often. Um, so labor and safety legislation, there are many other laws designed uh, to regulate the employer employee relationship. Several are described below. The Social Security Act, the Wagner Act, Fair Labor Standards Act, the Taft-Hartley Act, the Pension Reform Act, Occupational Safety and Health Act, Immigration Reform and Control Act, and the Family Medical Leave Act. I just want to talk about a couple of these real briefly. Um, starting with FMLA at the bottom. That was designed to protect families in the event that you needed to have, if you have a legitimate medical need to be out, it will protect your job for up to 12 weeks. And so you can, if you have a baby, so that's, that's a, a pretty common example. Somebody has a baby, uh, it protects the job of both the mother and the father if they need to be out to um, uh, take care of that newborn, you know. And when my first child was born, I took, I think, 10 days off. Uh, and I know that my employer probably didn't like that, I was at Walmart at the time, but the way I looked at it is from, you know, this is my family, I need to take care of my family. My wife, brand new mom, wore slam out, you know, just exhausted. And that first week is really rough as a, for new parents because 
pretty much every two hours, two to three hours on a 24-hour loop, you're up and dealing with, you know, the child's needs. And so you need a partner, ideally, to help with that. If you don't have a partner, that means for weeks on end, you're getting up every two or three hours. And it's, it's brutal, man. I mean, my second child, I think, I didn't take as much time off, but the, the middle of the night getting up was so painful that I told my wife, like, look, I'm going to have a heart attack. I'm going to die because I can't get enough rest. You know, I felt so exhausted. I mean, it pushed you. To, it pushed you. My third child, I don't think it was as bad. Um, you know, but by the time I had my third child, I was like, man, I'm too old to be having kids. What's up? You know? <laughs> so, yeah, because my baby boy, he's, he's about to turn five. And so, but it's all good. The Family Medical Leave Act is a good thing. It protects uh, uh, employee, employees uh, and it guarantees them that they can hold their job uh, for that amount of time if they have a uh, legitimate approved FMLA request. Uh, I will say that there are abuses in this system. I saw an example at my last job where somebody took FMLA, they were a salaried individual, so they're getting paid for those, those months of, all, of leave. Then when they got to the end of their FMLA, they quit and didn't come back. So they just rode the FMLA and got paid the whole time and then quit and didn't come back. And that's, 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 that's not good, you know? Like, that's, that's really, that's to me, that feels like, I don't know, just, just doesn't feel ethical, but. Uh, so OSHA is another one, Occupational Safety and Health Act. Anytime you have regulations dealing with the workplace, OSHA is probably a part of that. Um, because their whole uh, reason for existing is employee safety. And so there's a reason why you can't block fire exits. You know, there's a reason why you can't have slip, trip, fall um, things in the walkways. You know, you want to make sure that the walk, walk, walkways are safe and uh, unobscured. And so OSHA deals with all things like that. They make sure that it's just a safe, clean work environment uh, for people to exist in. All right. So the last thing we're getting to here is HR trends. Some of today's most important trends in HR include using employee diversity as a competitive advantage. So if we have a room full of white guys making decisions, I mean, I can only base my perception of the world on what I've learned and what I've been exposed to as a white guy, right? So I can't understand what it's like to be a Hispanic female, for example, right? I can't understand what it's like to grow up as a black male, you know? So I have to have diversity of opinions and ideas to be able to say, you know, especially if you're, in, if you're selling goods and services, you want to say, well, how does this product or service speak to this community of people, right? Um, when I was at Walmart, we had uh, a product called Maseca flour. Has anyone ever seen Maseca flour? Yeah. Um, I had never seen or heard of Maseca flour. Didn't, didn't know anything. I mean, in my culture, like I said, white guy culture, I never used the product. My parents never used Maseca flour. But in the Hispanic culture, they love it. They use a ton of Maseca flour. So we would have to order a pallet or two a week and put it on a dedicated shelf uh, so they would have enough Maseca flour to use it. And that's what I'm talking about. If you are a company, you need a diversity of opinions. If we had a Hispanic uh, Latino person in the room, they would say, by the way, this culture uses a lot of these types of products and services. How do we market and how do we sell to that culture? You know, how do we uh, address the needs of that community? And so that's, that's what diversity gives you is multiple perceptions of how products and services can best serve different 
diverse communities. Improving efficiencies through outsourcing and technology. Don't try to do everything yourself. You know, um, outsourcing uh, and technology, you can leverage, like if, you're, if you start a company and you say, okay, I want to do all of my accounting in-house, well, now you've got to hire an accountant that's on the salary, on the payroll, you've got to pay benefits to them. Why don't you just go to an accounting office and let them do it for you? You know, I mean, that's the easy fix. You don't have to keep them on the payroll. It'll be cheaper, and you're, you're um, not having to deal with that. Hiring employees who fit organizational culture. This is a big one. You don't want to hire somebody that's not going Every time you hire somebody, you've got to ask yourself, is this person going to add to the team or hurt the team or take away from the team? That needs to be something in your mind every single time you hire somebody because you make uh, crucial decisions when you hire people. You're bringing a new person into the organization and that person's going to have an impact. Is it going to be a value add or something somebody's going to take away value from the organization? And then also, more service workers joining labor unions. That's a new trend too. All right, any questions, comments on anything we talked about today with regards to HR? No? So next time you see an HR person, you'll think this person does a little bit of everything. They're involved in so many different aspects of my employment, and you need to be appreciative. And who knows, some of you guys may be HR manager someday. It's a big job, a lot of responsibility, but it's a, it's a good career path. So, guys, I appreciate your time. Happy birthday to you, sir. Enjoy your evening, and I'll see you guys next Thursday, okay? Have a good one. Thank you so much for spending some time with me on the podcast. I hope you got something out of it and learned something that you can use in the world and share with others. If you did like it, please indicate so by liking, sharing, or going to Apple Podcasts and leaving a review. Until next time, I wish you well.